Welcome to the Catholic Cafe, where Catholic truth is served fresh daily. We've made you a reservation in the luxurious corner booth, so come on in and see what's on the menu today. Now, here's your host, Deacon Jeff Drzezemski. Greetings and welcome to the Catholic Cafe. I'm Deacon Jeff, sitting in the luxurious corner booth of the Catholic Cafe, sitting here with Thomas P. Yes, sir. And Sammy Z. Yes. Yeah, how you guys doing? Oh. Doing well. How are you? Okay. Are you being well provided for? I hope so. I think so. You think so? Yeah, I know so. You got uh, all your ducks in a row? Not quite. You got, you got some kind of big... <laughs> I'm content. We'll put it that way. You got a big, fat bank account, I'm sure, Tom. No. No? I don't think so. I don't think anybody ever thinks they have a big enough fat bank account. Well, your wife doesn't think you have a big enough fat bank account. That's but true. that's, you know, that's a whole other thing. But so that's our little segue into our topic. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. Speaking For of, more information on Tom's bank account, please yeah. email us. Nah. But speaking of fat bank accounts, uh, we're going to talk about Luke chapter 12. Uh, and in Luke chapter 12, we've got an interesting little uh, little ditty here. Where some guy comes up, there's always someone in the crowd. Mm. Someone in the crowd some asks Jesus. Guy. Yeah, it's a, there's always a guy. Mm. You know, sometimes they their name makes it into the you know the records, but or their intention, the, like wishing to justify himself. Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> well, so here, uh, someone. This is starting at verse 13. Someone in the crowd said to Jesus, "Teacher, tell my brother to share the inheritance with me." He replied to him, "Friend, who appointed me as your judge and arbitrator?" Then he said to the crowd, take care to guard yourself. No, I'm sorry. Take care to guard against all greed. For though one may be rich, one's life does not consist of possessions. Then he told them a parable. There was a rich man whose land produced a bountiful harvest. He asked himself, what shall I do? For I do not have space to store my harvest. And he said, this is what I shall do. I shall tear down my barns and build larger ones. There I shall store all my grain and other goods, and I shall say to myself now, as for you, you have so many good things stored up for many, many years. Rest, eat, drink, be merry. But God said to him, You fool, this night your life will be demanded of you, and the things you have prepared, to whom will they belong? This will it be for those who store up treasure for themselves, but are not rich in what matters to God." Wow. Okay. There's a lot going on there, mm-hmm. and and, mm-hmm. and uh, I think the thing that kind of, I mean, I think all of us look at this and we think of different things where we might have fallen short, and we kind of feel guilty about a certain thing here and there, and I think inst- instantly people can look at this and go like, well, this is all about stuff. You know, we all want to have our stuff. We all want to collect stuff. We want to have a big pile of stuff, right? And you know, but there are some I think justifiable desires in here. I mean, think about think about the rich man. I mean, it it, it is not um, totally alien to to um, the 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 human made in the image and likeness of God to desire to to have everything that you need, mm-hmm. right? I mean, that really is a holy desire to be fulfilled, mm-hmm. right? But I think Jesus is teaching some lessons about how we are fulfilling ourselves and mm-hmm. what some of those problems might be. Right, you you saw this uh, this biblical passage here, Sam, and you you your what came to mind to you was stewardship. What why why did you think about that word stewardship? Well, just that the things that we receive are entrusted to our care. It isn't about us, right? If anything in our life, if we ever think that the self is the stopping point, it's not. 
And, and that's the thing that needs to be corrected, it needs to be redirected outward towards well, God and also towards others. And so that yeah, but would, I'm looking at Tom's face, and Tom right now is looking at you going, yes, but I worked so hard for all that I have. I've earned <laughs> exactly. this. I, I worked and I worked. I slaved. I got up early in the morning. Wow. You know, you got up and fed the chickens. And then... Uh, wow, it's almost like he's in my head. I, <laughs> I skipped lunch. You did it, man. <laughs> well, you, you didn't name the chickens, Morty and yeah. Morty. <laughs> but, Rebecca. Yeah, but here's the deal. Um, so what do you say to, to Tom, who's like so worried about like yes, all the Sam, stuff that he's please. earned? Well, Tom, I don't have a chicken. <laughs> so so Sam says, I want your chicken. You know, Sam is one of these guys that if there's an, a zombie apocalypse, he's going out and he's going hunting at his next door neighbor's house. He's going to see what what have they got, he's what have they guy. prepared for. So, well, what, but I can't I can't look at what Tom has and claim it for myself either, right? Because then again, I'm falling into that same trap of making myself the end point. The point is that which has been entrusted to my care. It's ultimately I have to ask God to guide me. And if God in his providence desires to that you might entrust Rebecca the chicken to my care. <laughs> but if you don't done, do that, Tom, don't do that. I won't trust there you. There will be chicken wings. That night you watch. It's Rebecca will be gone, long gone. Okay, so no, and that's a good that's a fair point. But I, I do think that we, we what about the person that desires to have enough, right? That desires that doesn't know where their next meal is coming from, or the person that uh uh, you know, is is looking at a rich man who's got a large store, a barn filled with grains and all this whatever surplus that he has. He's built up for himself, and then there's but there's lots of poor folk around him. It, you know, people desire that they they need right, mm-hmm. and so so uh, at what point who 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 is supposed to be the one who's supposed to make sure that there's everything in need? Because you know what, right now. There's there's big discussions, you know, in like U.S. government in terms of like, well, should the government become the arbitrator? Mm. Right? Jesus said, "I'm not going to be the arbitrator between you and your brother or brother-in-law or whoever it is that my inheritance or whatever." And it's like that's not my job. But you know, we we sometimes will look to the government to make sure that everything is equally distributed, and and that can be problematic as well, can it? Oh, absolutely. I mean, I think it's something that I think is important for us to be grounded in. You know, and, and we have in, in the psalm, uh, the, the, the Lord is my shepherd, I have everything that I need. Or the Lord is my shepherd, I, I shall, shall not want. want. Yeah. You know, uh, and the fact of the matter is that phrase applies to every single person, including those who have the most disastrous life circumstances. Mm. Now, most of us, and many of us at least, even when we have more than we actually need, still have that restlessness of, oh, if only I had this, if only I had that. But in fact, even the child in Rwanda who just saw uh, his family get completely terrorized and ripped apart by violence and who doesn't know when his next meal will be uh, and, and, and himself is ravaged with sickness, even that child can in faith receive that psalm and know that God looks after even that child. And and I think that's because the provision is more than just the material. It's also the spiritual, that God himself is the provision. That each one of us need to be grounded in that, regardless of whatever our material state is. And then those of us who <laughs> are grounded in that, but also realize, oh, 
I actually have way more than I actually need. Yeah. <laughs> you, know? you know, it's kind of interesting, mm-hmm. um, Sam, as you mentioned that, that God himself is the provision. We think about, like in our Catholic faith, just the reality of literally God providing for us of himself in Eucharist. Right, and so for the people that might be thinking, well, God hasn't given me anything lately, but how about Himself? <laughs> now, again, you, 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 while you can eat Eucharist, it doesn't always, you know, it's not going to do a good job of necessarily feeding the children from a practical standpoint. In terms of, you know, it's not the same as a can of, you know, Campbell's chicken noodle soup, right? To some people, but at the same time, there is a provision that comes from God and through God. Mm. To you that allows for you to have a deeper, more profound faith, um, and and really to trust in God. And I think to some degree there's a little bit of a crisis. I think in the world in terms of people actually trusting that God will provide, mm. not only spiritually but physically. Um, and I and and again, I, it's it's easy for someone who's got a roof over their head and they've got a, a little nest egg. They've got their bank accounts. They're just doing okay. They've paid all the, their current on their bills. Their car is working. It's a relatively new car. And, you know, and they just they have nice air conditioning going on in there during the summer heat. And, and it's easy for them to say, I trust God. I trust God implicitly. You know, but I'm always amazed at the faith of those, the, the, one, the have-nots, you know, the ones that really are desperate. I remember going to, um, it was then called Zaire, um, the Congo now, but uh, uh, and seeing the people there who were desperately poor, but I, I, I'm telling you, I don't think that I've ever experienced more faith in in people, you know, on the whole as I have there. Um, the, the, their incredible faith, the, the beautiful hymns they would sing in church, uh, just that whole spiritual experience when I went there and visited for a couple of weeks. It was amazing to me, and you'd think that they'd be miserable, and that they would hate each other, and they would hate everyone, and they would be envious, uh, but they just seemed to be filled with joy, but they had nothing. Polar opposite of us. Yeah, so we've gotten so used to having stuff that when we lose our stuff, we get upset, (laughs) right? I mean, don't we? Yeah, you get to a point where you don't even need God, or you think you don't need God. And I remember a homily from our previous pastor at this particular parish, Mm -hmm. uh, Monsignor MacArthur, said one time, he goes, like, you know, kids don't believe in God, but why do they need God? Yeah. They've got phones, they've got food on the table, they got their their schools paid for, they got a roof over their head, they got vehicles, they got all kinds of freedom, they got 5,000 cable channels, whatever, they've got everything they think they need. And so they don't need God. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's a whole other aspect is sometimes that I think that when we're in need, we seek that which is the only thing that can fill, fulfill in that, that, that time. And that really is some kind of spiritual connection with, with God, the ultimate provider. Well, I was thinking in terms of uh, your point related to God providing himself to us in the Eucharist. And starting thinking about the various states that a person might find themselves in, uh, you know, regarding their material, how much, uh, their, how much material goods they have, etc. And I'm, I'm reminded of Paul, you know, talking about how he knows what it means to, uh, to, to, to have nothing, to starve and to feast. You know, I forgot the exact way that he put it. Right. Uh, in it, it but but he, he gave a set of complementary, you know, uh, or a set of opposites that he knew how, how it was, what it was like to experience in these various states, but that Christ helped him navigate each state in a holy way. 
and that God gives himself to us in the Eucharist and helps us navigate that state, uh, whether we're in a time of feast or in a time of, of famine. Uh, there's a different way. There's a, you, you receive a time of feast with thanksgiving, yes, but also with generosity and thoughtfulness toward, towards those who may not have, and in a time of famine with trust, right? And so I think we've all, uh, in our own lives, have navigated uh, good days and bad days. I mean, Tom's never had a bad hair day, but other than that, <laughs> you know, we know what it means to have to navigate different states in life. And wherever mm-hmm. we might be right now, it's not always going to be like that. Amen. So we have more to talk about, um, and I want to answer the question, are we allowed to have a savings account, right? That's a big question because you look at this and like think, well, I, I shouldn't save anything then, right? Uh, which is a kind of a big tricky question. So we're going to talk about that when we come back. Before we uh, uh, take a break, we're going to – I want to remind everyone we've got a great website, thecatholiccafe.com. Also, uh, like us on Facebook and on Instagram and Twitter and like and share our posts and comment on them. It makes a difference. Amen. And uh, also, I'd love to hear from you. Send me an email. Deacon Jeff at thecatholiccafe.com. And with that, we'll be right back. I'm Bess Drzymski, and this is another great moment in church history. Isabel Flores de Oliva was born to a large family in Lima, Peru in 1586. Even as a child, her holiness was apparent. It is said that a servant of the household once saw her face transformed into the likeness of a rose, hence her nickname, Rosa. At her confirmation at age 11, she took the name Rose. Saint Rose knew at a very young age that God was calling her. Even as a teenager, she devoted herself to prayer and gave up many of the comforts of life in order to unite herself more fully to the suffering of Christ. Having read a biography of St. Catherine of Siena, she began to take her life of self-denial more and more seriously, even to the objections of her parents and friends. She first fasted three times a week, then offered a daily fast. This led her to abstain from meat and perpetuity. When she began to be admired for her beauty and devotion, she cut off her hair. If ever she doubted her path of suffering and self-denial, she was encouraged by visions, revelations, visitations, and comforting voices. She received the Eucharist daily, deriving from the Blessed Sacrament the grace and consolation to carry on. At the age of 20, St. Rose took a vow of virginity and joined the Dominicans. With permission of her order, she moved into a small grotto built in her parents' garden and lived there in a spirit of prayer and penance. While St. Rose spent much time in prayer, she still found time for acts of charity. She sought out the sick, the poor, and the forgotten in her community and brought them to her home to care for them. St. Rose never lost sight of the power and effectiveness of self-denial when it was offered up to God. Her entire life was a testament to the total, self-giving love demonstrated by Jesus' willingness to suffer for our sins. She wrote, Our Lord and Savior lifted up his voice and said with incomparable majesty, Let all men know that grace comes after tribulation. Let them know that without the burden of afflictions, it is impossible to reach the height of grace. Let them know that the gifts of grace increase as the struggles increase. Let men take care not to be stray and be deceived. This is the only true stairway to paradise, and without the cross, they can find no road to climb to heaven. 
St. Rose of Lima died in 1617 and was the first person born in the Americas to be canonized as a Catholic saint. Her feast day is August 23rd. I'm Bess Trzymski, and this is another great moment in church history. Welcome back to the Catholic Cafe. Here's Deacon Jeff. And we're back in the luxurious corner booth of the Catholic Cafe. Deacon Jeff here with Tom Dorian and Sam Ziggy Rodriguez. And we are talking about, uh, well, we're talking about God providing. God will provide. We're, we're saying God will provide. And that means a lot of things, uh, maybe different things for different people when people hear the word provide. Mm-hmm. Because they think, like, well, does that mean it's like a loaf of bread? Or is it like a heavenly bread? Right, and so and so we can say different things, and a lot of people say, "Well, I'm hungry, and God hasn't provided for me." And then if I tell them, "Well, go down to the church there and start praying," you know, they don't. That's not necessarily a good answer either, right? Because it's hard when you're in a state of want to to say suddenly um, that this is the answer. As I move through the poor village, you know, on my way in my Cadillac Escalade, you know, throwing candy out. You know, and and it's just it's it's an awful way to to see things, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and you don't want that to be the case. But but there are some uh, this gospel that we're reading from Luke chapter twelve. There's some stuff in there I want to talk about. One specifically is at the very beginning when because is it wrong to have money? Is it wrong to be to be wealthy? Right, and and that's a big question because I know a lot of wealthy people, right, and. Uh, the question is, what kind of wealthy are you? I think would be the, right. the, the correct answer because Jesus actually says here, um, when he says, uh, "Take take care to guard against all greed, for mm-hmm. though one may be rich, one's life does not consist of possessions." So he doesn't say it's wrong to be rich, right? Right? It's wrong to be greedy and to think your life consists of possessions, right? Right? So that's the wrong kind of rich. So there are wealthy people that have done. That, that have worked hard, have a great work ethic, that have built things up, you know, and maybe built up some kind of empire or whatever. Uh, and sometimes you can you can look at those people and think they should give more and whatever. And that's where we get into trouble, as Sam, you were talking about earlier, when you're seeing it from your perspective. Well, I'm not rich, and he's rich. He has plenty. He should give me some of his. Well, then you turn it into, it's not God providing, it's that rich person. Mm-hmm. Right? So then you essentially become, in, you become greedy. Right, and that's a that's a trap we can get into. But the question is, like, I, I love this idea of like, so this man wanted to basically build a big bank vault, you know, a, a big barn for all of his grain, so he'd be well provided for, you know. And then God says, "You fool!" Right, and so does that mean that if you have a, a, a bank account with money in it that you keep working and saving, are you a fool, Tom? Tom's no. shaking his head no. No, it This is radio and no one can see well, you. I know that. Head. I'm just waiting I'm for it. I'm describing it. Just for it. <laughs> <laughs> no, I would say no. I mean, it's okay to have a big bank account, but if you're doing it just for the sake of a bank account and you forget God and you believe that you're God, then yeah, yeah you're off You're off base there. And I, and I think, I, I do think that like, you know, anyone who thinks it's wrong to to save up Right, to save for a rainy day and things. There's some very biblical principles, by the way. It, it, you know, God created everything. And if you look, I mean, little animals storing up, you know, whether it's squirrels storing up nuts for the winter or whatever, you know, we've heard all these mm-hmm. stories and how nature operates. They prepare for a time of famine, mm-hmm. right, by storing things up. That's that's not wrong. What becomes wrong is when the squirrel says, I want all of the 
nuts. I want everything. Right. I want to. I'm going to keep everything, and then I'm going to start rashing it out as I see fit. I'm going to control it. Yeah, you know that's where it's problematic. Is at whose expense? Yeah, am I stepping on people to get to where I need to go? So there's like a I think a happy balance. Yeah, of saving, you know. But what is it? How, so how do you just determine for somebody who's listening now? Like when when do you cross that line? When is it when is it problematic that you're that you're you're storing up too much? That you're like saving and you're becoming attached to what you've saved. So I'm I'm reminded of uh, the line from Plato's Apology uh, from Plato's. Me Socrates. too. I was just getting ready to say that. <laughs> he said, <laughs> he, said uh, he said, "I'm sorry." Oh, that's a different apology. <laughs> No, he said the unexamined life is not worth worth living for a human being, and so part to an extent, I'm asking myself I'm, when you say like, where's the point where you're in danger? I think when you stop asking yeah. whether or not I'm in danger, and you get complacent with where you are, uh, that is where the problem arises, right? Right, and and because I think that. You know, whether we're in that state of feast or famine, we always need to be in a state of surrender interiorly and give God permission to uh, change our hearts with regard to what we have, whether we have very little or have a lot, you know. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, I, 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 you know, it's interesting uh, because you're right. When you're not stopping and thinking, what am I supposed to be doing with this money? What am I supposed to be doing with my life? What is God's will for me? That's when you get into trouble. Mm-hmm. Right, because what what was the desire of the rich man? Uh, what was so? I mean, it just spells it out like what so many of us, uh, you know, uh, think, right? Because basically, it says, um, "Stored up for many years, rest, eat, drink, be merry." <laughs> I mean, that's what he wants to do. It's like it's like I want to kick back. I've done all this hard work, and I'm a smart guy, and whatever, and I've owned all these lands and all this stuff, and now I just want to kick back. And I just want to be on cruise control. Mm-hmm. And I don't know that that's necessarily a bad thing to be on cruise control, to, to say, you know, well done, my good and faithful servant. It's time to rest, you know, on your laurels or whatever. But but the, but we, we run the risk of, of becoming a fool. Like what comes to mind, let's say somebody, the difference between somebody hitting the, the mentality that you just described and stopping there or saying, wait a second, I've got enough to where I can retire from my job where I don't have to use my time, my talents for income production for myself. And now I can reorient myself to dedicate myself to ministry or dedicate myself to family. Yeah, so the re, to but other- the, the reorienting is the key. Yes. Right. So if you don't do the reorienting, then basically like I have arrived. Right. It's all right? about me. Yes. That's right. It's I have arrived versus Lord, what do you want me to do now? Right. You know, and that reorienting is so beautiful to see when people suddenly decide, like, we've done all this, I've done all this, our family's done all this, whatever, but now what are we going to do? Let's do all this. You know, you start moving that direction. It's a beautiful thing to see because then you start to see people being taken care of in in many different ways uh, and all that kind of stuff. And then you start thinking, well, that's not a person who is basically summed up by their possessions. Mm -hmm. Right? Because that can be so um, ugly to see. Uh, and the other thing is, I, I've always said this, and I still hold to this belief, and that is uh, the the three people that I know that bought motorhomes when they thought they had retired and they were done, all three of them died within a year. I know it's just now that doesn't mean you shouldn't buy a motorhome. I'm just saying it's it kind of it's like the picture of this thing, like because they were like people who are saying like, well, now that I've done this, 
I can just kick back and travel the country. I don't have to worry about anything else. And I'm not saying that you don't have the right to do that. Mm-hmm. I'm just saying be careful because we, we, we cross over to tomfoolery sometimes when we start thinking. I shouldn't tomfoolery. What a terrible. <laughs> so I'm looking right wife, at you, Tom. So if my wife wants to do that. I tell probably, her no. I should probably tell her tell no. Tell her no, because then I'll, there'll be four people that die within a year. Uh, no, and it's I mean, just, she's trying you, to kill me. You know, it's happenstance. And I think all that's happening there is that God is telling me not to buy a motorhome. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, like one guy, his very first trip out in the thing, you know, fell off a mountain. You know, and it's like, oh uh, well, I mean, it's terrible. It's tragic. <laughs> it but but, but uh, I just, it makes me think like, and I remember in all three of those cases going like, wow, those people thought they had it made and everything was done. I mean, I just remember that. Now, again, it doesn't mean that there was any kind of judgment on them and they made the right, the wrong decisions. It made me think, though, that before I start thinking that I'm done, mm-hmm. you know, Dad, are we there yet? Mm-hmm. I mean, we're never there. Mm-hmm. That we need to always keep moving forward, always keep, as you just said, reorienting, Sam. Just the idea that we're always, like, we're, we're, we're examining our life and, like, what am I doing with, with my wealth? Uh, and for those who uh, are in need, as I have been on many occasions, uh, to the point where it's like, I don't know where this is coming from. It is, I don't say forced me, but it has caused me to sort of put my uh, spiritual money where my mouth is and to truly trust in God. Mm-hmm. I think about the, the, the couples that I've talked to before who, when I'm preparing the information, well, how many kids do you want? We want 1.7 kids. You know, we, we have this plan. It's all laid out, and this is what we want. And I always want to help them understand and to see that, like, you know, to some degree, there needs to be a little trust that God will provide. Don't think that you can only have two kids. Well, in this day and age, everything's so expensive and college and raising them and the food and the diapers and all that stuff. The reality is we can only afford two. It's like, well, can you? Or can you, can you afford to trust God to the point where the more open you are to life and if, and if he sees and blesses you with a big family, he's going to help you take care of that family. Right, I mean, I've seen that in my own life. Even where some years we have, you know, it's a leaner Christmas than others, you know. But the reality is, um, what I love also is how this uh, gospel, you know, ends. Um, Thus, it will be for all who store up treasure for themselves, but are not rich in what matters to God. Right. Right. So, what is it that matters to God? And that's the stuff that we should be seeking and storing up. Yep. Right. And which is really a life fulfilled. Mm-hmm. It becoming the living will of God, mm-hmm. right? That's what matters to God, not how much stuff we have. I, there's a, a meme that's circulating on the internet. It's a picture of some graffiti that says, some people are so poor, all they have is money. <laughs> <laughs> I still think I'd like to try to be the rich guy, you know. But, but, but so, so trust in God. You know, just uh, realize that God will provide. Uh, and uh, he loves his little ones. He loves us and will provide for us. Amen. Let's ask uh, our Blessed Mother be with us. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy, Holy Mary, Mary, Mother of God, God pray, pray for, for us sinners, sinners now, now at the hour, hour of our death. death. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Catholic Cafe. If you'd like to contact Deacon Jeff, send him an email at deaconjeff at thecatholiccafe.com. Visit us on the web at thecatholiccafe.com. You can also find us on iTunes or follow us on Facebook and Twitter. The Catholic Cafe is brought to you by the Order of Malta Federal Association. Join us again at the Catholic Cafe, serving up salvation one cup of coffee at a time.